the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Listen to The Rob Black Show on your Alexa or Google Play device. Just say, listen to The Rob Black Show. I can't believe it's July 21 already. I'm sending my morning report to Crowdfloor, where I'll be on the news. And I can't believe it's already July 21. What a strange year. We've had a very up market. Um, Are we taking it for granted? A little bit. Markets are attempting to rebound today. And it's just been a strange year where we have five up weeks where it felt like for about four or five weeks that maybe maybe the markets weren't hitting highs, but they were trying. And then they did. And they did again. And they did again. And then they weren't. And they were trying. And then they did. And they did again. And they did again. If you were to add all the up, what I'm kind of putting down there is it felt too good to be true. And today feels too good to be true. Um, I've recently purchased a home. And because of that, I've been looking at my finances a lot, a lot more than I used to. I think normally I probably look at my finances twice a month. Um, and on the up days, you're like, whoa, I'm worth what? What a blessing. What a strange blessing. These are good times. So markets are tempting a rebound, and to me it feels a little too bit good to be true. We got better than expected earnings from Coca-Cola and Johnson & Johnson, as well as a slew of other companies. Really telling you that this year's not last year, and with the stimulus that's been pushed into the economy, this year's turning out to be a great earnings season, maybe once a generation that good. But the guidance is a little sloppy, and probably fairly so. They're still talking about COVID beta, and now they're talking more and more about COVID delta, which comprises most of the cases in the United States now. Um, There's conversation that children under 12 will be able to get the vaccine by Christmas. Um, Would you do it? I would. Uh, There's nothing more absurd than the idea of a child on a ventilator or a child dead. I can't imagine anything more absurd. I just had a fish die, and I was like, eh, I'm okay with it. He lived a long five years. Then I thought, how, how do I feed him to my dog <laughs> or not? Do I give the dog sushi? And I go really dark. I was like, well, that is free food. And, well, no. I should give him some, some decency. Um, Google Maps is going to show you how crowded your train is. I think that's cool. But I don't see that as an earnings mover. Jeff Bezos said Blue Origin has sold $100 million worth of tickets for future trips to space. I think that's way better than what we heard from Virgin Galactic. So if you're into the space thing, understand that it is going to be a big market. And the tourist side of it is going to fund the research and development to get the cost down. Hopefully what comes out of this is a faster flight from the United States to Europe. Hopefully maybe it's saving more fuel for our space program and reusable rockets 
all positive from an environmental standpoint. Uh, but Congress is already starting to talk about taxing. I love that. A reentry into the atmosphere. You've been in another country before and you've seen global taxes and how countries do value added taxes. So why not say, well, you are a Martian for a short period of time. And if you want to be a U.S. citizen again, you're going to have to pay X amount of dollars. In shocking headlines, global electric vehicle battery industry will be sold out by 2025. Earlier this week, I did a podcast that was titled something along the lines of electric vehicles, the cost of electric vehicles. It was actually last week. You can find that podcast at Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com, and the investments that are tied to it. I get a lot of email questions, and usually they're of the speculative nature of how can I make the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time? Um, should I buy Bitcoin or not? And it, it's never like, hey, I've got enough saved for retirement. I've got my health care covered. It's never with any pretense of anything normal is going on in someone's life. Um, so electric vehicles running out of supplies by 2025. And you read that straight and like, that's pretty sensational. Bank of America published a research report that said there's a looming threat to the global battery supply for electric vehicles. You don't remember this, but I remember this. There was a point in time not that long ago that everyone was asking Tesla, when are you going to get that million-mile battery? When are you going to get that million-mile battery? Because the longer you have your Tesla, the quicker it runs through its charge. Same thing with your phone. Apple got sued because they started using software to throttle down your phone's usage so that it would still have a four-hour battery life after two or three years instead of you know, a one-hour battery life using all the features. They got sued from that. So battery life's going to be important. And a report out of Bank of America expects global battery shortages to intensify from 2026 to 2030. But we're going to start running dry in 2025. 23% of all vehicles on the road, according to the report, will be electric vehicles or get this, PHEVs. Now, what do you think a PHEV is? I'll give you a second to do a little Jeopardy um, in your head. The do, 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 do. What does PHEV stand for? It stands for plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. So 23% of all vehicles on the road will be either PHEVs or BEVs, battery electric vehicles. Um, and by the year 2030, it'll be 40% of all vehicles. And by the year 2040, it'll be 67%. Now, keep in mind, California has a mandate that all new cars sold will be electric vehicles. And that's what plays into this global demand for electric vehicles is states and countries are mandating new rules tied towards electric vehicles. You've seen the floods in China. You know what I, I feared the other day? I saw the floods in China and I think I even told you last week, I saw the floods in Germany and I was like, that's absurd. Like I see a car going down the street. And the next thing I was like, I dropped the absurd angle and the voyeur angle. And I was like, this is a lot of financial ruin for people. But I saw the floods in China and they're, they're big stories. I don't know if they're big stories in your news, but if you watch BBC news, you'll actually have a different kind of perspective. Um, and I, I, I was like, I hope that doesn't mean semiconductor companies are going to go offline. I hope flooding doesn't hit any city that has semiconductor manufacturers. And China has a lot of them. But 
countries are mandating electric because they can't afford to go offline due to floods, due to droughts. Uh, rates of EV battery demand will rise to about 120% of what's out there by 2030. So you're going to see a big CapEx cycle in mining, trying to find these rare earths so that we can continue to make batteries. Uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance standards in business models, are becoming more and more practical and demanding by younger generations. So do I think the electric vehicle push investment-wise is over? No, I don't. If you want to go back to look at the mining investments that I talked about, you got to go to Rob Black's show and grab an old podcast, and it's titled Electric Vehicles and Investments in Electric Vehicles. You can check that out at robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about for retirement, we can and should, in my opinion, talk about and never, ever be shy. One of the things I really want this show to accomplish is to push you towards retirement, to get you an idea of age 60 to 100. Healthcare becomes incredibly needy when you're over probably 75 for most of us. I'm trying to think of any person that I know, family or non-family, that are 75 who's not saying, oh, I went to the doctor this week or I went to the doctor last week or I'm having my hip replaced or my knee replaced. For some of us, it'll be in our 60s that those actions start happening. But for others, it'll definitely hit at some point, right? I used to say something a little alarming on the air. Um, after my dad died 25 years ago, roughly, um, I started helping out with my mother and she had a stroke probably about 17 years ago. She died last year of COVID in my opinion, because jerks got on planes to test out if there was COVID in the world and continue to spread the disease across the United States. She was in a nursing home. Someone brought it in because nursing homes, if you've ever been in one, are very much so like prisons. Um, or at least the one my mom was in. Uh, you check in with a guard at the front. They walk you to the room. They tell you, stay for about an hour and then leave. Like It's kind of like a prison. And visually, it's, it's kind of sad because you put your mom in a nursing home to help with the fact that she's pooping her pants, the fact that she can't remember her drugs, the fact that she's diabetic uh, and she needs insulin shots on a regular basis. Um, and then you look at the room and you're like, I think this is an eight by 10. No, nah, let's give it a little bit more credit. It's like a 10 by 14 room. And that's where they live. So healthcare is a big issue in retirement. And I saw that very much so firsthand in a shocking manner. I remember in between the nursing home and after my father had passed, there was a period of time where I went to her home and I was like, mom, what drugs are you taking? Oh, you know. And that was her way of saying I've had a stroke and I don't know what to say. Oh, you know. I'd say, mom, who's president of the United States? And she goes, oh, you rascal, you know. And that was her way of having a conversation without admitting that she's had a stroke. 
So a lot of us have to go through mom's medications, mom and dad's, I would suppose. And uh, she was on 12 medications. I can tell you there were like blood thinners, um, blood sugar issues. There was a lot. And remember, this one is once a day and this one is twice a day and this one is three times a day. And this one is with food. This one's without food. It's a bit much. So please know that when you hit retirement, you're going to have to have some sort of plan on healthcare. Now, we're not going to get into the craziness of healthcare, or will we? I recently read an email where the couple was incredibly nervous that they weren't ready for healthcare expenses in retirement. They had checked every other box. $8 million saved for a nest egg. That's a pretty good nest egg. Now, again, if that's after tax or, or pre-tax, that can get kind of like, how much is it really? Because when you have a state with sales income, that's not terribly conducive to a pure number. One million is suddenly 900,000 if everything you're buying is taxed at 10%. And if you have a state income tax of 10%, then that's suddenly 800,000. And you have to pay federal taxes in retirement and suddenly it's like, oh boy. You can see where it's going. Now again, some seniors in some states allow for social security and retirement benefits to be taxed differently. That's why you keep hearing of states like Arizona and Georgia and Florida cropping up as good states to retire in. So you have $8 million. It's an incredible number. And money definitely helps in retirement. There's a lot of surprises that come with healthcare costs and a lot of surprises that come with retirement. I don't think many of us have experienced what it's like to no longer have a paycheck come in. If you've been unemployed, I'm sorry for saying that because you have experienced it. But for the better part of my working life, since I was 20 years old, I've always had a paycheck every two weeks. A friend of mine in television was just laid off. And I talked to him and he goes, I've never not been employed. So that's one thing that you're going to have to get ready for in retirement is not having income coming in. That's why people that I work with in the CFP industry, one of the things they'll recommend is get a job in retirement. Even if you're working at Home Depot and saying, hi, would you like a flyer? Hi, would you like a flyer? That'll keep some money coming in. It'll get you up out of bed and to work at 10 o'clock when the store opens. It'll give you something to do. It'll keep you on your feet, keep your heart beating, which reminds me of one of the best uh, lines a real estate agent ever told me. Real estate agents are slicky. Um, I call them slicky boys. And uh, the house had stairs. Now, I have size 14 feet. They're humongous. And my feet don't fit on stairs, which is just the weirdest thing to say out loud because everyone else is like, what do you mean your feet don't fit on stairs? I'm like, look, stairs are like typically eight inches and mine are hanging over by six. It's awkward. But the real estate agent had the best line and he goes, yeah, the house has two floors. That'll keep you alive, Rob. And basically what he's, he was right. You know, climbing up a flight of stairs is great. 
But in my head, flight of stairs is something I could fall and slip down. We're both right. Is that fair to say? Uh, what you earn and what you keep is a big, big part of your career. And in retirement, you no longer earn. So it's what you spend versus what you keep. It's the opposite side of that teeter-totter. Healthcare costs rise every year. There's a reason Amazon wants to get into the healthcare industry. Because healthcare costs rise every year. Health insurance costs for two, roughly about $30,000 plus a year. So if you have $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, $5 million, $6 million, $7 million, $8 million in retirement, you're probably going to be okay. Then again, there's going to be these things called like an activity jar uh, where you might break a hip and suddenly you need a nurse and suddenly the costs go a little bit higher. So you need to be conscious of it. Healthcare is not cheap in retirement. That's why you want to get to somewhere between $1 to $4 million maybe four to eight million, one to four million if you're looking for middle income, maybe four to eight million if you're looking for higher income in retirement the first early years. Find me at robblackshow.com. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. There's a funny story and I say funny because it's as close as I can get to funny on some days. The Chevy Volt was having problems charging, and Chevy said, you should park your car. You should only, you should watch it while it's charging. And I'm like, that doesn't exactly work for eight hours when pe- most people charge in the middle of the night. And it's just, yep. Um, big catalytic converter theft story as well. And the police are saying you should park your car in a secure garage. Like, oh, that's the answer? It financially sucks to get hit by theft and or burglary. So just throwing that down there. Do what you can to not get caught up in that scenario briefing.com patrick o'hare joins us every wednesday at this time to talk about investing in the stock market and what he's seen and the vibe and the feel um how are you mr o'hare hi Rob. i'm doing just fine thanks wow if we had this segment scheduled on monday i'd be like stay in a one-story building don't jump on tuesday i would say like don't put all your milk money into the stock market because this won't always last and today i'm like i wish you put all your milk money in yesterday because it seems to be let the good times roll what do you think about the action this week and how it preceded or or followed up excuse me a week week last week for the first time in a while uh you know i think it in, in part sort of reflects some of the impact of uh quote, machines, right? You know, things just happen a lot quicker, um, you know, in terms of these downside moves and, and the, the rebound action. But, you know, underlying it all, though, is that there's just a ton of liquidity out there and you still have um, very low interest rates. And uh, and that be, is a, a truly an underpinning factor for, for the bull market. You know, it's uh, when you have real rates as negative as they are right now, you know, you still have this mentality of like, well, what you know, what else is there, right? What's the better alternative? And that continues to drive money into, into stocks, even though, you know, you have some hiccups every now and then, like we saw Monday, but, you know, keep in mind that uh, the market had been, had made a really nice move up until that point, albeit on somewhat narrow leadership, as I think we've discussed uh, last week and maybe in the week before that. So 
um, the narrow leadership being just the outperformance of those mega cap stocks. And without a lot of participation from other names, there was a growing sense that the market was likely vulnerable to see some type of setback. And, um, and we got a little one, but consistent with what we've seen um, really since the rebound off the pandemic close started, um, not to get technically minded here, but, you know, this 50 day moving average on the S&P 500, you know, held beautifully uh, on Monday, uh, it, you know, certainly on a closing basis. And uh, as it has for, for the most part since March of 2020. And that incited, I think, a lot of uh, people to think that this was just a, a normal little hiccup in the context of a bull market. And because support was found there, uh, there was a basis to come back and buy on the weakness. So I have to be honest with you, and I tell you that I cheat on you. I talk with one other market strategist. I've recently added him. And one of the things he said recently was something along the lines of, Bear market only lasted two months last year, and it started the bull market. You tend to get big, fat valuations. That that's the hallmark sign of them. Um, and I was like, "Are we really in a new bull market, or is it bull market part two? What type of market do you think we're in right now? Is is that a fair question? Are we digesting earnings? Are we expanding multiples? Are we in a bull market? It, it, what do you see here? Because I don't think it's as clear." cut as that bear market was a bear market. So we checkmarked that, so to speak. feels like we could have been longer or worse, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think we're, we're just in a, a transitional market here, right? Okay. You know, you might, you might be coming down from a raging bull to a, you know, to a bull that's just kind of hanging out in its pen. Right. But it's not, a, it's not a bear. Um, you know, you, you just, you have, you have a market that's trading at a higher valuation. There's no question about it. And the, the issue right now, which is, you know, leading to some of the volatility, I would say, is, is everyone knows growth is going to slow down. Uh, what everyone doesn't know is just how much it will slow. And in an environment like that, after a run like the one we've had, um, people take a step back and they maybe look a little harder at how much they're willing to pay for a stock. Um, and, and so you see a little bit of multiple compression there. Um, and uh, and I think that's kind of really where we are. I mean, it's just kind of a reset, you know, in terms of where the where the bogey is going to be for for growth in the back half of the year. You know, we know earnings growth is going to decelerate. We know economic growth is going to decelerate. But uh, both of those things should still be quite uh, quite strong in the grand scheme of things. And. Uh, and I think it's just in a digestion phase, you know, perhaps right now where, uh, you know, the bull had a big run, got tired and it's kind of like taking a little break here. And as long as, you know, interest rates don't get uh, too out of whack, uh, I think that, you know, it'll continue to find a basis to uh, to trade with a positive bias. It just might be that, you know, the um, uh, easy money or the, the really quick Material moves we saw in, in past months might not be as easy and material, but still dictated with a somewhat positive bias that uh, keeps the bull market intact. So, earnings season, it seems to be robust. Um, I lifted heavily from your commentary this morning about the diversity that I'm seeing in the earnings reports. And I don't know if that's what you were implying, but Coca Cola being a beverage company, Johnson & Johnson being a healthcare company. Verizon being telecommunications, United being a tourist kind of play, economy economy open back up, uh, Chipotle, Anthem, healthcare company. So there, there's a lot of companies reporting, and, and broadly speaking, 
through earnings season is going pretty well. Do you think the economy is doing pretty well? Is that what you're getting from the earnings season or is this a little hesitant because of Delta variant out there? It's it seems too good to be true. <laughs> well, it, it's too good to last in terms of the earnings growth that we're seeing. Right. So even coming into this week, uh, facts that told us that uh, the consensus growth estimate was like 69 percent for S&P 500 earnings growth on a year-over-year basis, we're now up to 71% uh, and a little bit more than that, but, um, you know, which reflects some of the, the positive surprises we keep seeing. And so there's no question that the economy is, is strong right now, um, certainly relative to the year-ago period. That's, that's a no-brainer. Um, and you're right, you know, kind of what I was implying with that lineup of companies there was just that um, it, it stretches beyond just these you know, mega cap tech stocks, right? You're getting good news from Coca-Cola, Johnson Johnson, Verizon, United, uh, Anthem, Chipotle, right? Um, and when we talked last week, Rob, I think if I remember correctly, one of the things you asked me is, you know, what do I want to see coming out of this um, earnings period to have some more confidence in the idea that the bull market will carry on? And, and I said, I really want to see the leadership of the cyclicals to come back, right? Because that would be a uh, helpful signal for investor sentiment that, um, you know, that things aren't as bad as, as many people thought they could be in terms of the slowdown and growth and, and, and certainly as it relates to the Delta variant. And, uh, you know, and over these past few sessions, we, we have seen the cyclicals take charge again, which is, which is comforting. And that's in front of the earnings reports from Apple and Microsoft and Facebook and, uh, and Amazon which should all be pretty good in their own right. But it's, it's been somewhat comforting to see uh, these other companies come in with much better than expected results. And in the case of United uh, and Coca-Cola and Chipotle in particular, all of those CEOs said today that, you know, they're not seeing any change in consumer behavior due to, due to the Delta variant. And the United Airlines CEO even said that, you know, bookings are getting stronger every day. Uh, and that's being helped along by better uh, business travel trends and international long haul flights. And so that's all good. And, um, you know, and it's, it's going to continue to be good, I think, as we you know move through the third quarter. Uh, and it's just, you know, again, it becomes a question of, you know, did a lot of that good news get priced in already? And um, I'm not so sure that all of it did, but certainly with the run we saw in recent weeks leading into earnings season, um, you know, you could say that, uh, you know, expectations were very high, but these companies seem to be, you know, meeting that bar and, and even exceeding it, which is a, a good thing to hear at this juncture. I kind of want to talk a little bit about politics and the infrastructure plan, but at the same time, I don't think it's a reality and it's going to happen. So I'm going to say, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, what do you want to talk about for the last minute and a half? <laughs> Well, you can talk a little bit about politics if you wanted to. I, I, you know, we don't take political positions, as you know, but, um, uh -huh. but yeah, I, you know, based on everything I'm hearing about the infrastructure stimulus bill, it sure sounds like it's kind of stuck in the mud, you know, and that there's not, um, it's not going to be an easy thing to, to get through necessarily, uh, both the bipartisan one and the, uh, the three and a half trillion dollar one that's supposed to, you know, move through the reconciliation process. So, um, so, so, yeah, we will see where that where that heads. But right now, it's it's still kind of questionable. But 
having said all that, you know, one of the things I think that would draw your readers attention to or your listeners attention to is just the idea that, you know, interest rates are extremely low still. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that that might lend itself to here is people contemplate maybe a little bit slower growth environment, but still a good environment is maybe a more gravitational pull toward the dividend paying stocks. Um, you know, you have to take a company like Verizon, right, which has a four and a half percent dividend yield, and that's a safe dividend. And, and you might see a little bit more interest in those names as we move through the rest of this year. Thank you for joining me. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of both international and domestic news. Um, I read his column every day to start the day. Um, I really like talking to strategists. I think some people in sports radio I say, I love, I got the greatest job in the world, but I'm telling you, when you work in financial media and you get to talk stock market, you kind of jones for it. Patrick O'Hare has always been great. He's been with the show for over 20 years. You can find him at briefing.com. Again, a reliable source of both international and domestic news, especially pertaining to economic cycles and the stock market, IPOs, and much, much more. Find them at briefing.com. Find me at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money investing. Thanks for listening to the show. Netflix originals are a big part of conversation. Um, I have a regular conversation with my producer every morning and, hey, what did you watch last night? What are you watching this weekend kind of thing? And no one really feels that the programming Netflix is the best they've ever seen. Now, there's a couple shows out there that you may go, that's awesome. Demon Slayer, for fans of that show, think it's the best thing ever on Netflix. Back in the day, Netflix used to have things like The Office and Friends. And then the other services got wise to it and said, you know, we're going to make those exclusive to ours. And we're going to make Netflix go out and do their own thing. And I think they do a pretty nice job, but I don't think anyone's ever said, wow, that was the greatest film I've ever seen. Cobra Kai is loved, but I think Breaking Bad's a better show. They have Headspace guide to meditation which more and more americans are getting into meditation which i think is a great thing uh, spending a little bit of time with yourself is not ever going to hurt you um but if you take a look at some of their originals queen's gambit uh great show so what netflix did was they they came out with a creating of queen's gambit so they made a show about their great show um, Night Stalker, documentary tied towards notorious serial killers. So what they did was they made a documentary about the documentary. I think that's a genius concept. The Queen, um, I'm not into it. I think British royalty, in my opinion, is really a strange thing to kind of be enamored by. Uh, their history is not exactly very kind to the world, but... It's the Queen of England. She's getting married. And they've started podcasts and shows about the show. I think that's genius. If you have an audience, if you have a hit, why not milk it? So Netflix came out with earnings last night. And they weren't great in any way, shape, or form. But doesn't that kind of sum up Netflix? It's solid. Stranger Things may be the greatest show for teenagers. But I can't really say anything for adults who are like, that's the greatest show I've ever seen. Maybe the queen. 
maybe. I'll give it that. But taking a look at their earnings, um, let's talk a little bit about it. They earned $1.35 billion. That's in the world of big tech companies like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google. Netflix gets mentioned all the time. They call them the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Alphabet, Netflix, and Google. I think that's right. That's not right. It's close. I'm a little tired. My, my throat's fried, as you can hear. I've got vocal fry. Don't I sound sexy? Uh, but $1.3 billion, it, it, like, isn't that a funny thing to say? That doesn't sound like a lot of money compared to their other big peers. But they have 209 million subscribers, which is, you know, Apple's got a one billion users, one billion users of their operating system. Not subscribers, but operating system. So you really have to start thinking about installed base and subscribers as a way of looking at companies. Now, Netflix has more competition this year than last year. Disney Plus and HBO Max. Um, every year, the competition's heating up. So Disney, their quarter was slower growth than expected, but it's also compared to pandemic times when we were just like we were desperate for content um that wasn't the news that wasn't people dying and it, you know it wasn't talking to our friends and like hey i'm flying to a different state this week to see how things are going it's great that's awesome i'm healthy it wasn't depressing it wasn't discouraging so netflix added subscribers in most regions but get this this is what killed me last night in their earnings they saw a decline in the United States and Canada for the first time since 2019. That's one of those words that you have to really start thinking about as an investor. Churn. Cost of new clients versus the churn. How many do you lose versus how many to get? We could look at data statistics in the United States. How many people do we fire? How many people do we hire? How many people die every year? How many people come to our country every year? Um, subtract addition and subtraction, subtraction by addition. Like it's, it's funny, but Netflix wasn't a glorious quarter. Jeff Bezos said Blue Origin has sold nearly $100 million worth of new tickets. A congressman has announced a new re-entry tax potentially on Blue Origin um, passengers. As you go to space, you're going to have to pay tax to come back to the earth. I love it. Congress has never met a tax I didn't like. Um, and I, I got to imagine this is just the beginning, right? Johnson & Johnson expects $2.5 billion in global sales from COVID vaccine this year. Listen to this cool feature. This is the good time to be living, and I'm going to miss it one day when I'm dead, is the rollouts and technology. But Google Maps is now going to show you how crowded your train is in subways across the United States, over 100 of them. And if the front of the train or the middle of the train or the back of the train is more crowded than others. Um, I don't know if that's monetizable, but I guess if they have us looking at our phones while we're at a subway stop, they can start selling commercials through that, right? I think so, at least. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Financial advisors advise on clients' investments and finances, which may include investment allocation, tax planning, estate planning, insurance planning, retirement planning. I have a financial advisor with EP Wealth. Um, my old firm, I saw that we had gotten to the point where bigger firms were able to offer more. I'm very happy to be working with EP Wealth. I have an article up on my webpage, Rob Black Show, where you can learn about how financial advisors help and if you need one or not. 
There's a great transparency of fees. There's a breadth of knowledge that covers everything from estate planning to taxes to investments to um, pulling money out of your retirement plan to make sure maybe you want to bounce a check on the day you die or maybe you want to make sure you have some money to leave to the kids. Uh, great article, How to Choose a Financial Advisor. You can go download it right now at robblackshow.com. It's a new website. You can listen to this podcast. You can catch one of my daily videos that I do with Cron TV, Mondays through Thursdays, and uh, much, much more. Oh, the big 15-minute commentary I do with Adam Phillips every Monday is posted there as well. Rob Black Show, download How to Choose a Financial Advisor. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com.